great pleasure that we join together to share the telling of vibrant stories that come from all over the world. If you find yourself far from Park City, you're part of an exciting evolution of the Sundance vision. We're all here to experience the festival's magic and celebrate this generation's most innovative storytellers. So again, welcome and enjoy. Uh, welcome to the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast, where we usually talk about old movies and now we're talking about new movies because this is our Sundance 2024 special spectacular. This is our bonus episode on the Sundance Film Festival. We are here to uh this is a little like what? This is breaking news, right? Like uh, uh, breaking mean, news. It, it, there it, are new this movies. will come out as soon as uh we we get the audio uh set and everything. Yeah. So sure. We're just gonna breaking turn this news. one right over. Um broken but yes, exactly. Um, for the Chris, how many years in a row now have you done virtual Sundance? I think 2021 was my first year, so I guess this is my third or fourth. fourth? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, yeah. That's good. Fourth year in a row. I um uh was very late, guys, this year. And so <laughs> when I applied apply. on the very last day, they were like, LOL, good one. So I uh instead uh, purchased a few tickets to what was available digitally, which was now Chris as a accredited press member you were still limited to the much dramatic more limited than documentary competition yeah, it was pretty much yeah. everything that was in competition um but none of the things that were out of competition which is usually some of the higher profile titles uh right however we do we have, have a ringer here we we called in a backup we <laughs> called in reinforcements I was on Instagram and who was all over my Insta stories reporting from the ground, from the elevation in Park City, uh, our good friend and former guest from the hairspray episode, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, Cameron Sheets, welcome back to this hot <laughs> Oscar Thank you. Oh, I'm so, so delighted. I can't believe how long it's been since hairspray. I know. It's been a long oh my time. Time is Got so it, flat right. for our show specifically, I think, because everything <laughs> during the COVID years, it just all feels like kind of one year we, together. We kind of ended up at like year three real quickly because we were like, wait a second, like we had kind of just started to get the ball rolling before COVID. And then all of a sudden, like two more years had gone by in a blink. So yeah, that's Though crazy. I, I do think you, uh, you were the inceptor of one of the things that are like, one of the codes to crack to this had Oscar buzz in terms of saying you were the one that said hairspray everybody on the poster it's on there known for yeah and now uh-huh. we're always looking out for those movies like August Osage yeah. County yes oh yeah. yeah there was another one recently that I was just like every time I, I wish I could think of it I it remember... is sort of Gosford Park too like yeah. Gosford Park yeah. is kind of that yeah. way yeah yeah, yeah yeah that and I think that I had that discovery while watching hairspray with former guest kevin o'keefe like i think oh fantastic sort of you know so it is a big you know it's a very much a part of this the story of this podcast I it's feel, all in the I family we're all in the family <laughs> it's an honor <laughs> it's 
Um, but yeah, we had to uh, have you on as our special uh, Sundance correspondent. You, uh, I was getting very, very like jazzed for a lot of the movies that you were talking about. You seem to have a fairly positive experience at the festival. So I guess um, before we get into the specific movies, just what was the vibe there uh, at Sundance? What was how was the weather like in general? Sort of uh, set the stage for us, Cam. Oh, yeah. Well, so this was my second time covering, my second time in person. Uh, <laughs> I, you, you know, you mentioned my my Instagram. I, I call myself a micro vlogger when I'm there. It's like the <laughs> one time that I do that on my Instagram where I'm like front facing camera posting. Yeah, and... one little tunnel there that you walk yeah, through I every day. I was so fascinated by it. I got to, I got very familiar with like the path that you took from wherever you were staying to uh the the theaters oh as did i yeah sure i mean i was gonna say i think my updates end up being more about the the weather than they are about the films <laughs> i mean you know it's know your audience i, yeah, I know exactly. that my mom is watching those and so it's mostly for her she wants <laughs> to see the icicles i guess yes I get it. and yeah. it, it was uh it was i would say pleasant there for the most part it was a little i mean it was a little colder the year prior uh and and so i remember just my experience this whole time was just like, wow, I was just frolicking. I was out there skipping down the street. Although, you know, still trying to not slip on like the slush and whatnot. It sure. was it was lovely. Um, I, I really just kind of am enamored with Park City, I I think. It's just yeah. such a beautiful place. And and part of it is me being someone that grew up in in the Midwest and in northern Ohio where we got lots of snow and being in yeah. LA now I come back to that and I'm just like oh my god <laughs> it so. did it did look like very as as buffalo was going through like horrendous horrible week long blizzard i was like wow park city looks really lovely like that's the nice <laughs> like the nice winter so it is i think i've gotten lucky these two years with the weather there but yeah, yeah th- th- i will say that that certainly colors my overall experience with the films and everything i'm just yeah. so thrilled to be there mm-hmm. <laughs> most of my time is is sitting in in this little room in my right. in my apartment typing away so it's nice for me to get this opportunity to be out and you know obviously see these films but also just talk to other people that do what we do and yeah um i don't get that often it's was the really impression nice. that it was a that it was a pretty good festival or i feel like i've i heard a lot of good mm. things about movies i think there's some i think that there's some that people were excited about i did see a tweet that was getting some traction that was like man sundance really didn't have that big movie this year that everyone right. got excited about and i remember right. a couple days in feeling like yeah, I think we're waiting on that. I think there's some, you know, passion behind some of these titles, but maybe they're more divisive. It wasn't like we had the like runaway Sundance hit, mm-hmm. which right. also the the this, the awards. Obviously, we're only talking about a limited scope of what the Sundance Awards mm-hmm. will honor, but that sort of points to that too. In my mind, it's not like right. these were the films that everyone was talking about on the ground. Yeah, the right. competition movies were not really from afar. It seemed like the movies that people were really excited about on the ground at in Park City, which kind of makes me wonder how they're going to proceed or if they're going to proceed with the virtual element of this festival. Yeah. Um, because I'm sure that as other festivals around the world and the country do less and less virtual components, are the you know movies going to continue to make them accessible in that way you know does it is are we moving away from that as we move away from the pandemic i know sundance has been the festival that's 
tried to hold on to it. But this year, I felt a real disparity, even just in what the people who were on the ground of what they seemed to want to talk about, you know, at least. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and, and my understanding is that the well, and my memory of last year, everything that was going to be online for the most part was available right away. If you're at least if you're press accredited. And, and so like, you know, I would see a few things one day and then get home at night and and just be like, I'm going to unwind and eat something and, and watch something else while I'm home on, on on the virtual service. Now, this year, it didn't start until midway through the second week and mm-hmm. or a weekend, I guess you could say. So, yeah, that sort of changed the way folks talked about the festival, too, it seemed. Yeah. Um, it also was it felt like it was very front loaded in terms of enthusiasm, just because I feel like the movie that most people were super excited about was I saw the TV glow and yep. that's the one that I'm ready to like claw strangers faces off to go and get a chance to see. So <laughs> that's the um, one that I'm ready to like, you know, lead the, I, I'm ready to be like in the front of the line of the army, which I mean, I didn't get to see it. It wasn't available to virtual press, but I love Jane Schoenbrunn's first movie. We're all going to the world's fair so much. Yeah. That yeah. I I I really don't want this to be another Sundance movie where it comes down to elevation and people kind of already have their knives out for it. Um, so I'll be very excited to see it. But Cam, what did you think of the movie if you got to see it? It is definitely my favorite of the festival. And, you know, trying to pull my head out of the cloud, Park City clouds a little bit. But yeah, I, I similarly was coming into the festival like this was my most anticipated. I was so excited to see what Jane was going to do with obviously more of a budget and 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 a ca- a bigger cast and a bigger scope. And I mean, I feel like they really delivered just such a singular vision that is so unsettling and is just so for us. You know, it's so for everybody that grew up with that one TV show or multiple TV shows that they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't get out of their mind. I mean, there's a early on, two of the characters are, are reading an episode guidebook, and I couldn't think of the last time I've seen one of those like actually <laughs> yeah. shown in in media, you know. And I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, that took me right back. Um, it's for those people, of course, and it's it's the people uh, who held on to their Buffy episode guide from Entertainment Weekly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, well. Yeah. Yeah, the energy was wild. I, you know, this was the first night I got there. It was the first actual night of the festival. And I think, yeah, the energy was, folks were very excited. And it's, it's like an uncomfortable watch at times intentionally. So I think it can be a little unsettling. And it's, there's, there's a whole like mid movie moment where we basically get two unedited, like band performances, which is Jane kind of throwing it back to like what, you know, all of those shows would do where they would have just bands stop yep. and play. Yep. yep. Um, which is cool. But, you know, at the same time, you're sort of like, where are we going? Like, what's happening here? It, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I really, really loved it. I think that Justice Smith is, is really, I really like Justice always. Smith a lot. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. I feel a special, I, I feel a special kinship for Justin, Justice Smith because, um, have I, Chris, did I ever talk on this podcast about the, HBO Young Artists uh, series with Anna Devere Smith that yes, I love yes, so much. Yes, you have, but not in a while. So um, HBO did a uh, series on Young Arts is like a, a organization that mentors young 
performing arts students. It seems like it's just like they take a handful of kids from LaGuardia for the special, but like, it, you know, <laughs> one hopes that it was also like people from the rest of the world. But anyway, um, they take a handful of them, like five of them, and they put them in an episode with somebody, a professional in their field. So like five aspiring musical theater kids all went and worked with Patti Lapone for a series of days and like got mentored by Patti Lapone and also got like taken to Joe Allen for lunch and like that kind of a thing. And Patty's absolutely out of her mind. It's fantastic. But the one and like every once in a while. And so Justice Smith was in the one also Jess Sinclair. Um, the one that was taught by Anna Devere Smith. Now, of course, Anna Devere Smith's style of theater is very immersive. She interviews people for like days and weeks and whatever. And then like interprets their words through a character. And she's teaching them that method of theater. So they're each interviewing each other and then performing as each other. And it's wild shit, but it's so amazing. Um, and HBO didn't like, it wasn't this like Ballyhooed HBO series. There were only maybe a few episodes, but like Alan Alda has one and Kathleen Turner might have one. Um, but they don't, they're not available. And they were like not available long before David Zaslav started like zapping, you know, the whole series there has out of to be whatever. some rights type of thing like yeah. was there one would music imagine. used or something i just need somebody who has a job inside the vault at hbo to just like <laughs> record them on Give some on some video files and just send them my way because uh i love them so much anyway um Cam, so that's why i love justice did Smith. you what else on the ground were people talking about a lot yeah yeah that that definitely Night one was that um, I remember pretty early on hearing from a few people that Dee Dee was like this charmer, crowd pleaser, um, which we, I'm sure we can get into. I, I, I feel like, Chris, you saw that one. Correct? I didn't see Dee Dee, actually. Oh, no. I, I ran out of time. I could maybe watch it after <laughs> we finished yeah. this, but I kind of ran out of time. I watched 20 movies kind of over the marathon of the weekend because I couldn't watch that much during the week. Dee Dee won the audience award and it won an ensemble prize uh audience award for the dramatic competition what's like the nutshell description of dd uh, it's it's coming of age set in 2008 um this uh chinese american student um whose name is it, it's chris uh it's very like autobiographical it's sort of summer before he goes into high school um there's relationships there's friendships there's his his uh sort of shaky relationship with his older sister who's about to go to college and his mother played by joan chen god bless oh, oh wow joan chen, joan joan chen, chen is chen. like making a comeback now because she was also in uh murder at the end of the world god bless. oh my gosh right yeah, yeah. i yeah. forgot where i had just seen her yeah she's she's really really wonderful i mean there's a little bit of uh for me watching this because of their extended scene where you're watching the aim chat box window. There's a little bit for me where I'm like, you know, this is bait for, this is the same thing that pen 15 was for me where I'm just like <laughs> eating up these references. There's a hello goodbye music, you know, needle drop where I'm just like, Oh, I was, you know, it had me. It had me. Oh, that that's moment. fun. Um, I like that. So it's, it's a nice time. It's, it's, it feels like, you know, you're, you're, and I don't, I'm non-derogatory. It feels like you're like classic Sundance charmer. You know, it's, it's I, exactly what you I'm probably be. the most receptive audience to that kind of thing. I know a lot of people, that's like that pejorative, like, you know, oh, it's so Sundancey or whatever. And it's like, I find Sundanceiness in movies charming, you know, for the most part. So, um, for the most part, um, I, the best thing that I saw of the five that I saw 
um, was a real pain, which did win the jury prize for uh, the U.S. Dramatic Competition. Jesse Eisenberg's second feature wrote the Walter Salt it. Screenwriting Award, which does yeah, not yeah. have a great uh, track record. <laughs> but this movie also sold to Searchlight, so yeah, we'll see what yeah. they do with it. I mean, it's you've both seen it, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I text don't... all caps. Jennifer Gray. Jennifer Gray. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I, I, I'm so excited. I fully did. Looking at my television, pointed at the screen, screened screamed jennifer gray jennifer gray it was fantastic uh but also will sharp as our friend katie rich pointed out looking like all unrecognizably um mid sort of just like instead of just like the stone cold hottie that we all saw on white lotus and like just put him in like some baggy clothes and and some glasses and uh and he's a page not... boy hat or something yeah exactly yeah karen culkin's gotten the 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 majority mm-hmm. of the raves and kind of rightly so because i really think he's fantastic i the comparison that i have and like with the caveat that it's not as good as this movie but few things are which is you can count on me it's giving me slight you can count on me vibes in a in a very good way so um i think that's a decent comparison it's you can count on me plus something else because they're two cousins mm-hmm. who their grandmother has died, and they're cousins going who back... used to be close like brothers. Is, yes, is the way they sort of describe it. They're yeah, going yeah. to Poland to see, you know, not only a lot of Jewish history, but also the home that their grandmother came from. And Kieran Culkin is, as you can imagine, between him and Jesse Eisenberg, the more ne'er do well of <laughs> them. Surprise, surprise! What I felt so much about this movie, I was like, "This is fabulous." We are in the era of the Kieran Culkin star vehicle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I loved it. There's a scene at a war memorial that ke- that goes on longer than you think it will. And the longer it goes on, the more sort of like delightful and kind of insane it gets. But it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a movie that allows its humor and its pathos to sort of like build in these really interesting ways. I think, Eisenberg seems like he's a fairly patient filmmaker, which I like. I um, thought it was a major step forward, yeah. somewhat from his last movie that I didn't like at all. Um, I liked I, it, but it it was definitely like it was definitely more of a like indie first film, and then this one feels much more confident, much more confident in its simplicity and mm-hmm. I think its ability to provide depth. I think there is a monologue that happens at like the middle of the movie that feels info dumpy in a way that's too convenient for me that I I didn't love at all. I thought it kind of deflated the movie and didn't really need to info dump and didn't really need to spell. I, I, that's where I think it lost some of that confidence that it had because it felt like this real need to spell out some things we already understood or might've been more, interesting to learn in a more organic way later i don't uh, disagree we're talking about the dinner table the dinner table yeah yeah yeah, yeah. totally but I, sorry joe no i was gonna say i don't disagree but i also feel like i i still wound up very invested i think in the end the sort of open-ended ending where i wanted to just sort of sit with it mm-hmm. and sit with kieran especially for longer literally and just be like figure it out like literally just like yeah and like you know 
figure out where things are going to go. Um, but a really, really good movie, and I really hope that people check it out. On the flip side of that, last night, Chris, you and Katie were subject to my Suncoast tweets. Because uh, <laughs> you like Suncoast, which, which did not get good reviews and will be on Hulu I, very soon. Liked is a very strange way of putting it, because I can absolutely recognize that it's not a very good movie. But it did make me cry, and it did keep me watching the entire time. Even though, speaking of, you can count on me, my 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 hero, Laura Linney, I don't think it's a very good character to play. I think that character is written without giving her a whole lot of uh, nuance <laughs> to play. Um Cam, did you see Suncoast? What was your? Uh, I regret. I did not. I regret. I regret to inform you. Were you warned? Missed, were you warned away from it by by people? <laughs> it was mostly like, okay, this does. I, I could be inclined to see this, and then I just wasn't hearing enough yeah. about it on the ground. I guess, as we've said, that I didn't make it a priority. But well, it's and the it's movie gonna be available set, so soon. It is going to be available very soon. It's the movie that is set at the uh, same hospice that when when and where Terry Schiavo was. Uh, staying in a way that like is meant to a set things in a place and time and be like sort of goose the drama of it even though it's mostly a comedy uh but it's like a you know a dramedy um and it would be so much better if that none of that was going on it's so it is it is no way integral to the plot at all i will say though it is a movie that takes place during the first season of Laguna Beach and is very aware of that. <laughs> and that's all I'll say about that. Uh, so, Nico Parker yeah. got the breakthrough performance prize for Nico Parker, who could have could be an actual just clone of her mother. She just looks the spitting image in in both like face but also in like the way she moves and the way she uh and the way she speaks. But yeah, she's very good. I liked her a lot. All right. What else have that? Uh, something else that I haven't seen than you guys. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna dip into the premieres and the um, and uh, the midnight stuff. Well, uh, Chris, you you called a real pain your favorite thing of the festival. Oh yeah. Uh, what's yeah. well, and Cam, you said I saw the TV glow was your favorite. Mm-hmm. What yeah. What else your, was your favorite? Was what was your second favorite? My second favorite, and I guess we've all seen this one now, is uh, so we can talk about it. Let's dive into stress positions a little okay. bit. Okay, I mean, I, I loved this was movie. Fully on board. It was really divisive. Uh, it sounded like, but um, the minute I realized we were like basically getting John Early in a, in a slapstick comedy, partially that mm-hmm. I was like, okay, for a while, yeah, here, yep. keyed in. Yeah, it, it is that a bit. Um, it's, what if what if John Early were in a slapstick version of a Jeffrey Eugenides uh, story? Million percent, like it's the closest we're ever going to get to a Middlesex adaptation. In, but listeners, you know, set during the early days of the pandemic, of the pandemic, which, like if that right, has you yeah. running in the other direction, yeah. I promise yeah. you, this is finally the funny covid movie and we never have to do one again because it does it so well agreed agreed i mean i, I also go so ahead. go ahead well i was gonna say the 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 creating a weird ecosystem inside a brownstone in this way feels like a thing that we should have more examples of <laughs> that we don't this sort of like all these really sort of like eccentric and very sort of like specifically drawn. It's all incredibly queer, of course. 
It's all like all the boundaries between everything are very sort of fuzzy and fluid. And you're not quite sure who, if anybody, were supposed to be like, who's who's my anchor in this? Like, who is the character who I'm supposed to be like, that's so me? Because every time you think there is, and then you're like, no, no, I don't know. This is, I don't want that to be me. So the brilliance of it, really, I think, yeah, is, yeah. is, is, is right. Or, or, that, that, my favorite moments are where you have these different combinations of characters just in a room kind of bouncing off one another. There's one mm-hmm. earlier on where Theta Hamill's character is over at, at the apartment, John Early, Terry Goon. John Early plays a character named Terry, Terry Goon. Goon. Yeah. <laughs> and and his, his nephew, they're all just sort of there getting drunk together. And I love that scene. Yeah. It's brilliant. Um, yeah, I was just kind of, I was vibing off of the energy. I think a lot of people took issue. There's there's a lot of voiceover and there are multiple voiceovers. There's competing sort of, voiceovers. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's a silly complaint because I think like, my thought about the movie was I was so fascinated by its structure because it's, it felt like a structure that I mm-hmm. might have experienced from a book and not from a movie. And it's so interesting, Joe, that you made a like, you know, fiction a novelistic fiction comparison. To that's what movie. it felt like. Because that's yeah. exactly what I thought, too. And I saw some yep. people saying it was, like, stagey. Like, it felt like a play. And No, it feels like a novel. It really yeah. does feel like and, a and Yeah. I liked that. Vo- I When I saw those complaints about the voiceover, I was like, but this is something that I actually liked about the movie because it gave me that, like I would be used to getting in a book, but in a way that felt fresh and not clunky. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I loved what I, I mean, especially for uh, the nephew Bull. I loved hearing his take on on his upbringing, really, and how it kind of came. This Fire Island wedding, honey, like what what went down <laughs> at this wedding? Also, that kid's mother has got to be a piece of goddamn work. John Early's unseen sister, who we like only see when she gets pushed off of the boardwalk. In Fire Island, like oh my god, just like tremendous. one of those great literary characters who's never part of the action, or like a great character in a play who you leave with as much to talk about that character who you never see as you do with the characters that you spent all your time with. Yep. Well, it's just like this Grubhub guy who like yep. fully seems like an extra in his first appearance, and then all of a sudden becomes this like fairly crucial character by the end of the movie. <laughs> Um, in a way that feels like true to the time and place of when it is set too, where all of a sudden your entire world is, you know, in the span of like the square box of your building and the front stoop of it. And that's about it. I was just going to point out and someone else did online, someone smarter, funnier than me, but pointed out, uh, Chekhov's massage gun. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god the character of terry's uh uh, uh, ex in this is so the second you see him you're like i know exactly Exactly. what your deal is like oh my god and that actor i was like i don't know that face but i know that voice where do i know that voice from pull him up on imdb bob's burgers bob's burgers yeah yeah john roberts plays linda yeah exactly (laughs) yeah it's it's such a nondescript name you know no offense to anyone named john roberts but i remember seeing the cast list and being like wait (laughs) who is this yeah i thought it was john reynolds at first i i kind of tripped my mind up Mm -hmm. and i was waiting to see john reynolds of search party fame but uh (laughs) so now where would i know theta hamill from nympho wars See, I don't listen to Nymphowars. Oh, okay. okay, that makes 
that uh, that makes all the sense. In truly, because okay. uh, Theta's in it, wrote it, directed it. I thought one of the breakthroughs of the festival for what I saw. Cannot wait to see what Theta makes next. Um, just a real. Uh, in terms of like delivering satire and the way that satire has kind of become a certain, you know, satire in the past, you know, few years feels like it's other things mimicking other things mimicking other things. This feels like yeah. something very fresh that, you know, if there were references or, you know, style that it's trying to be in the vein of. I didn't really have movie references. I maybe had yeah. more like fiction references. Mm-hmm. I wanted to say to, I've, I've not listened to Nympho Wars either. I just have sort of appreciated Theta on, on as a presence on, on social media. Yeah, on Twitter. Sure, sure. Um, but I've been told time and time again, that even if I don't go through back and listen through Nympho Wars, there's a two parter episode um, called Kill Drag Race that is apparently an all-timer and is oh, a sort wow. of easily accessible one for us that, you know, do watch Drag Race. Okay. Um, so I'm, I've been meaning to dive into those, especially now that I'm such a fan of, of, uh, of yeah. Chef's positions. Yeah. Neon um, has it. We don't know when it's coming yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. I would have I'm, to imagine that this movie is coming out in the summer because it would be the perfect time to... Whenever they released Fire Island, they should release it. You know what I mean? It's just like not to like, you know, uh, typecast everything, but like whenever, uh, you know, follow I success. Sell it as that to like listen. No, but like, I just no, mean like in terms of like movie. no, but like <laughs> whenever in the calendar, you know that 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 proved to be, you know, fertile ground. Joe, I know I you didn't see, see my favorite of the festival, but Cam, I hope you did. Did you see Good One? I didn't. No. Oh, okay, oh, my so favorite sorry. of the festival. Um, another debut by India Donaldson. Uh, this debut actress, uh, Lily Calias, I believe it's pronounced, uh, goes on a camping trip with her father, played by James LaGrosse, uh, a great James LaGrosse, and, uh, his, like, best friend from college days, basically. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people compare it to Kelly Reichardt. Um, I was saying in our group chat today that it was like, Kelly Reichardt's old joy, but mixed with something like maybe eighth grade, even though that's not the best comparison. It's basically all of these little micro moments throughout this camping trip where, you know, this teenage girl has full awareness of the failings of her father and her father's awful friend. And the movie can still be kind of funny, not too heavy. And it all is kind of building towards a certain type of confrontation that, with a, with a lot of grace to it, too, and a lot of uh, affection and complication. And I think the type of parent-child relationship that you don't really see in these type of movies, where it's about the failings of a parent... And still kind of working through the complicated feelings of your own experience, your experience with that parent, and your parent not doing good enough. Um, And I'm speaking in vague terms because I don't really want to spoil it because like, there were (laughs) moments where it was just human interaction at the end of this movie. And I was gasping because I was just like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is 
this is not going in the t- well it's not going in the eighth grade type of thing where you're supposed to feel warm and fuzzy feelings you're supposed mm-hmm. to feel something more complicated and difficult to reconcile and i i thought this movie was really wonderful and graceful i was shocked it didn't win some type of prize because you could see it having won any of the prizes that they handed out for the u.s dramatic uh prizes um because like lily glias is really great uh james Gross is fantastic it's a great script it's really strong like a really exciting debut that I would be really excited to see whatever India Donaldson makes again. I understand why a festival like Cannes would be sort of tight, keep a tight grip on its awards and not like want to give too much away. I don't quite understand why a place like Sundance, whose entire job is to sort of launch these movies mm-hmm. into greater success, doesn't just like give like five acting awards away and you know six you know filmmaker <laughs> well, they awards give like, awards yeah. away for whatever they want to call it it's just, just like just some like, of the names <laughs> of these prizes sometimes are banana <laughs> launch launch you know these movies however how whatever it's going to take the other thing and this is a nitpick that obviously doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the film because i haven't seen the quality of the film but i'm just going to implore indie directors who title their films these minimalist, sort of like very vague titles, it makes it impossible for people who have not seen your film to remember hearing about your film. Because all of a sudden, it's just like, which one is good one? I've said that phrase 12 different times in the last six days, because it's just like, I, there's nothing for me to hold on to. In the context of the movie, I'm it's, sure. a, it's an interesting title. I'm sure, but, but like, give me something to remember. Like if you're like the whole point is for these things to sort of like stick in my brain so that I will end up seeing them. And, um, I feel like it's a, this is a recurring thing at Sundance where like every year there's like two or three movies and we're just like, what is that title? It sounds like four other titles. Like I need, (laughs) I mean like love me, the Steven Yeun, Kristen Stewart movie that is half like bitmoji, half Wally. And then they finally show up. I tried really hard wild. to like that movie. I tried really hard, and I see why everyone hated it, but it you can also see the version in your head of the movie that is not annoying yeah. and not... Uh, uh, where everything works. It's literally, the plot is, after the apocalypse, a boy awakens in the post-apocalyptic ocean and meets a satellite, and they fall in love. And they learn about human existence through old school YouTube. And then they basically, through, I guess, an app, become Steven Yeun and Kristen Stewart's Bitmojis. And then they become Kristen Stewart and Steven Yeun. And they go. Chris, I'm 40 something years old. I can't. I I just, I absolutely can't. I I, got to say, I tried. I tried because I saw everyone dragging this and I I went. I, I tried and I it's it doesn't work. It doesn't work. One movie that seemed to get a lot of really good uh notice, and I think all three of us have seen it, is Between the Temples. Have we Yeah. Yes, all seen it? No, can yeah. we? <laughs> um this is the one where Jason Schwartzman plays a cantor, uh, who is also fairly depressed, who's a widower, and um his uh mothers, his uh, lesbian mothers played by 
Caroline, Caroline Aaron, Aaron and Dolly and, DeLeon. And Dolly DeLeon, which is just like, let that phrase marinate How in your I head for that? a while. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, they keep trying to set him up with various unsuitable people. And then what he runs into is his old music teacher, played by Carol Kane, who um, is, I think, pretty tremendous in this movie. And Carol, Carol Kane is... Um, she wants to have an adult bat mitzvah, essentially. And um, a lot of this is, you know, she had been married to uh, a person who was Catholic, and so she wasn't really religious throughout her life, and now she wants to do this seemingly. Sometimes it sounds like she wants to do this just for something to do, but it's also a way for them to sort of like connect, and it becomes this unconventional love story, but is it more just like a story of two people connecting? And um, the filmmaking kind of... It's directed by uh, Nathan Silver. It's a good movie that does not look like a good movie, if that makes sense. Like, it's got this very decidedly lo-fi aesthetic that pushes me away. And I know that it's, like, intentional, and I know that it's, like, Safety's adjacent, basically. What's that? Safety's adjacent, basically. Kind of, yes. And, like, everything is a little too closely filmed, and everything is, is very fuzzy grainy. And I'm like, you've got good performances here. I don't think you need to work this much to make it seem like you're faking an interest in it when, like, they're genuinely interesting. So that was my only problem with Between the Temples. Otherwise, I think it's a really interesting movie. Chris, what did you think? I think it takes a while for that movie to, like, grease its tires a little bit to get going. It doesn't need to be a two-hour movie. But, I mean, there's wonderful stuff in there. But I, I agree with you. Everything, I think it kind of looks bad in a way that is intentional but also not um schwartzman is wonderful as well i hope that we schwartzman's really been bringing it between asteroid city and this like really brought it in asteroid city and he's hitting his stride yeah uh cam tell us about something else that we should all be looking forward to there's been a few now that i feel i feel bad i i didn't see i I saw so many things. Did you see Love Lies Bleeding? I don't want to like set you up for that. Okay, tell us about Love Lies Bleeding. Okay. Well, I was just gonna for for context too, you know, I'm I'm with I'm the entertainment editor for Queerly, so I was sort of going into this being like, let me prioritize the the films that are going to smack you in the face with queerness. And and boy does Love Lies Bleeding smack you in the face and and do all sorts of other things to you. Uh thank God. It is it is it is going to some of the lesbians I know that feel they'll just die from a heart attack from it. Um, <laughs> I think I needed it to pick a lane a little bit more, but to, to back up, yeah, give us a little one, nutshell. Know, yeah, right. Folks have seen the trailer probably, so I guess this one's a little bit more. We know where this is sort of going, but Chris and Stewart has a mullet, drives a truck, hell yeah. smokes. And works at a gym. Very hell yeah. And <laughs> she's really wonderful in this. Like, truly, I, I think she's having a blast. And it's fun to watch her have a blast. But she works at a gym. She has some sort of a shady past that we're gradually learning about. Her father is played by Ed Harris, who is is bald on top and has long, long, long hair. <laughs> and Aging into uh, his natural role as the Crypt Keeper. By the I was going to say riffraff <laughs> core a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not put that together. He loves bugs. He loves bugs too. So there's also a little bit of like, there are bugs crawling over him in multiple scenes. So it's very cryptic. So he is um, some sort of shady figure. We'll learn about uh, throughout 
the course of the film. And at the gym one day, uh, Katie O'Brien comes in as this amateur bodybuilder traveling across the country, sleeping wherever she can uh, in order to make it to Vegas to compete in this bodybuilding competition. So, so she stops in what I believe is Oklahoma. I actually kind of forget, but it, it almost doesn't matter. This movie is just like hitting you in the face with like late 80s, like Americana. It's, it, it, it doesn't, you know, you just kind of know this place, even if you don't know exactly where it is. Um, and so those two, you know, they have, they have their night where they hook up and, and uh, Katie O'Brien's character, and I forget the character's name, ends up Jackie, it says on the Wikipedia Jackie, page. that's right. Ends up yes. staying at Kristen Stewart's almost immediately, which I did love. I was like, this is the movie, like, making commentary on, like, uh-huh. you know, U-Hauling. They move in together immediately. <laughs> um, and then I would say it goes off the rails in good and bad ways many different times throughout the remainder of the film. I think, like, there's some interesting stuff with with Dave Franco as someone who works for Ed Harris, uh, but is also married to Kristen's his his daughter Jenna Malone, Kristen Stewart's sister. I'm just oh, also referring them as the actors. Wait. No, do so it. There's do it. All yeah. these complicated dynamics at play, and and it's hard to say too much without giving a ton away. If you if you watch the trailer closely, there's moments where it looks like um, Katie O'Brien's character is like hulking out, and yes. <laughs> great great yeah we're repeating those allegations yeah yeah, yeah. No. Okay. uh katie o'brien is from the mandalorian right that's where people know her from mostly so yeah and i mean i haven't seen but i think that's like definitely the bigger credit she's really good i just think the the film sort of sells her character short in a way uh and i wish yeah. that she would have a little bit more agency it's it's partially the point of things but oh she's also going to be it, in twisters that's interesting man well the cast for, twisters has the cast the for twisters cast. is insane <laughs> yes so it hot. does we've talked about this that's right everybody in that cast is so hot yeah that's totally true good for twisters i can't wait but i'm curious to see what the response is i mean it was really people went wild that night i i really like saint maud i think the two of you did. Am I yes right? I, uh, I really like I, saint maud i i I'm a little mixed on St. Maud, okay. but uh, there's great stuff in there. Yeah. This felt a little bit more, a little bit less focused than that in my mm. mind. So, uh, I, you know, I guess mileage may vary, but people are eating it up. And again, it, it will kill people. Like, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's lots and lots. It's, it's so horny for the first, I would say, half hour before it becomes much, much darker. But it is extremely nice. horny. <laughs> um. What's the so if that's the queerest thing that you saw and maybe stress positions was the second queerest thing that you saw like what takes what took the bronze the oh gosh ranking them in terms well I I guess we should maybe talk about there's a couple of documentaries I wanted to mention but I wanted to bring up Pony Boy uh, oh which, which I, I saw was, yeah oh oh great we've all seen then yes let's, yes let's talk Pony Boy let's talk about um, Pony Boy I'll say that my gut reaction was just like. I was feeling pretty gleeful watching it because I was like, yes, we're really leaning into these archetypes and mafia movie tropes, but my God was everyone in the cast, I think really just going in. I was like, they did not need to go this hard and yet. And yet they did. (laughs) I will say we've seen a lot of these sort of like, um, you know, hustler on the street, got to make do one crazy night something goes wrong i got to get out of this like 
all these sorts of movies. I was somewhat fascinated by the sort of economics of this uh, brothel that was being run out the back of this laundromat. That's um, by Dylan that, O'Brien. That, uh, Dylan O'Brien, you guys, we need to we need to have a short conversation about how hot he is in this movie and how awful I felt thinking about that because he's how such a scumbag. He he's such a scumbag, but like, oh my god, he's so hot. Um, it's also wild to see Victoria Pedretti doing the full Scarlett Johansson in the Marble Columns SNL sketch like voice, where she's just <laughs> yeah. like the the accent is so like is laid on so thick. I think it's so funny. Um, but even down to like Murray Bartlett as the sort of like hunky cowboy riding through town, you know, gonna gonna uh, save a pony boy on on their way to Vegas or whatever, and. It's like, oh, this feels very like early aughts indie. You know, what I, I was mean? gonna like, say it felt almost like it's nothing like Sin uh, City, but I think the kind of violence crime type story reminded me of like an aughts, maybe late aughts type of grungy crime movie that I don't like very much, and as a result, I didn't really care for Pony Boy. Um, it just probably wasn't for me. But, I mean, it's stars and is written by River Gallo, and I think they are an incredible performer. Don't know about them as a writer, but the the acting in this movie is good, and which I should say, in the first ten minutes, Murray Bartlett sings Bruce Springsteen's I'm on Fire, <laughs> and that's all you need, really. It's very like, hot. It's very it hot. so hot. <laughs> I, I lost yeah. my mind. Also, India Moore gets a very short scene towards the end of the movie. I would like to see India Moore get a leaning role in something soon because, like, right. I really believe that, like, she's earned it. It's so, like, what a great scene. Uh, yeah. A, a scene that sort of communicates a ton about two characters and their relationship to each other in a very short amount of time. So um, give, me, give me an India Moore movie, please. Yeah, I, I I feel like that scene. Well, one right, she just looks the most glamorous anyone has ever looked in that scene, and I, I felt like that to me is like the Trojan horse of the movie. I, I would love for this to play in some way that a lot of people can see because I do think just that you know I know how the internet is, I know how we are about Dylan O'Brien. I think like there's some very obvious mainstream well, up sure. here, yeah, yeah, and it would be really cool to you, you know. Yeah, I think the certain with certainly some notes I could give to the script. Um, some uh, honestly, I love Murray Bartlett. You know, I loved him singing, but that whole element of this story didn't really work for me. It felt very um, sort of tacked on a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, yeah, the cast I was having a lot of fun with, regardless. And I was, I was saying afterwards, like I've not seen the Haunting of Hill House any of those, unfortunately. Right. I, I just didn't know what Victoria. I didn't know Victoria Pedretti's game. Like I had no <laughs> idea that she was gonna. Just nothing. Go nothing else she has done is is this. So I will say that it's just like that's <laughs> you. You won't be getting that on Hill House. She, I thought she. I thought she was very good on Hill House. Um, and then in you, she's just sort of. I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to sum up that character. Um the last movie I've seen I saw that that I haven't talked about yet, so I'll sort of uh throw this out there is um oh I don't see it. Where was it? It's I Handling guess it wasn't a dramatic competition. Yes. Oh, it was in uh World Dramatic Competition, yes. Handling the Undead. The um 
uh, zombie, sad, sad core zombie movie starring Renata Reinsev and Anders Danielson Lie. From the author still... of Let the Right One In. Right, which you can tell by watching it. Like, it, it feels very much like, what if zombies, but also everyone is just very sad. It's the, it's like day one zombie apocalypse, but we don't get past the part where everybody is still mourning their recently dead relatives and they just start to come back. There is one, like for, for, for the most part, it's very kind of quiet. It's not bad. It does. It's a very slow. Yeah. It's a very slow movie. I think it is very, I don't, complain about slow movies it is very slow <laughs> that's people I, barely I, speak in the whole movie which is normally fine for me but it, this it didn't hold my attention incredibly well I it did hold, hold my attention better um than a movie that that slow usually does um there is one scene with a rabbit that will Awful. stay with me for a very long time and will probably make people mad um but it can't, this movie came with a content warning. Oh, did it? I missed the content it did. warning. It did. Mm. That's funny. Um, yeah, I was. I think I liked it. I definitely think I liked it more than you. I mostly ran right to IMDb and was like, what is Anders Danielson Lie signed up for in the future? Because I'm like, he had such a big year two years ago with um, uh, Bergman Island. And he was also worst person in the world, right? That was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they don't share any scenes together, by the way, Renato oh. and, uh, and Anders. It's very like, there are like four different stories and they're like, um, mostly kept separate three, I guess. Um, but I want him to be, I am losing my voice, so I'm going to leave it to the rest of you guys. To talk for <laughs> um, yeah, I thought it was did okay. Did you see anything else in the U S dramatic competition? Um, I am. I'm trying to wrap my head around. Oh, I, I saw in the summers, which was in the competition. The uh, dramatic US. jury prize winner and yeah, that's right. Winner. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it was pretty understated, and I really like applaud it, it from you know, as the title maybe suggests. It's about these two children every summer going and staying with their their father um, for a month or so, mm-hmm. uh, played by the the um, artist Residente. Uh, and and the kids are played by different actors as they get older, but um, yeah, it's it's understated. And I definitely applaud it not going where it could have gone, like the easy route of mm-hmm. just like hitting these notes. You never have these big emotional confrontations between between father and children. It's it's like it's it's nice in that sense, but it really never rises above a certain temperature in my mind because maybe because of that. I agree. I liked it. I, I think I liked it a little bit more than most people seem to have, uh, with the exception of the jury that seemed to really love it. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought Residente was maybe the performance of the festival for me. Um, I thought his performance was incredible. Uh, you know, I have kind of a ceiling with these type of episodic movies where, you know, you're, you have such a clear structure in front of you and it's, you know, not necessarily building to something but like you keep going through a structure and i think it in subtle ways you know deterred from or not deterred but uh it's not quite the structure you think it's going to be and that each of these chapters kind of have their own rhythm and what Mm -hmm. that means for the characters because of course they're at different chapters of their life i thought that that was really 
kind of sharp, but it is a very subtle, understated movie um, that I hope people can see because I think there is some really good stuff yeah. there, not just Residente's performance, but um, yeah. Cam, did you see um, uh, Presence, the Steven Soderbergh movie? Oh, I the did. Soderbergh. I did. What did you think yeah. about that one? I I, I was like, I was so excited about the prospect of being at Sundance and seeing a Soderbergh. It just felt like Daddy <laughs> yeah. Sundance, you know. You, you and, and go oh back in God. time, like yeah, yeah. For real. He was yeah. he was on one that night too at the premiere, and it was very very funny. So reports so, of people having to leave because they were so scared is that going to do this movie was, any good? <laughs> I feel like that was overreported. Um, it, it's not that it's scary, but there it is there is a tension to it, and I don't want to say too much, but. The, the the idea is that this is a ghost movie and Soderbergh basically plays the ghost and that the camera is is the lens into this home. Mm. Um, a family moves in. Uh, uh, Lucy Liu is the mother. Thank God she is mother, uh, of course. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And, and you know, I'm forgetting his name right now, but the father is uh, from This Is Us. Chris uh, Sullivan. The, the, yes, Chris Sullivan. Um, they have two kids and and the daughter pretty immediately... There's this moment early on because the the camera is constantly sneaking through the house, and there's a moment early on where she looks into the camera and then then like backs away, and it's this really striking moment because you're like, "Whoa, what's going?" You just don't expect yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I my take on it is just that I was having such a blast with it until I wasn't. I think that there's just a, a turn of sorts, which I again don't want to give away that just didn't really sit with me, but mm. um. There's so is this final... Soderbergh in like unsane mode? Yeah, it okay. definitely feels a little bit more like he's just experimenting, noodling and, around, and having yeah. some fun in between. Yeah, the the final the final like scene is really really great, and that's where Lucy Liu is like, oh, she nails it. And and importantly, Julia Fox, oh, maybe ninety yeah. minutes on screen had me howling oh my god <laughs> i was literally just about to, i i love you cam but i literally was just about to be like can we as a culture agree to let the julia fox thing die out like, it, it, not I yet I, I i hate to break it to you joe but it's not I, just gonna I can't go do, away i can't do another year julia fox i really can't Ooh. um yeah he knows how to use her i mean which is to say in 90 second spurts but you know like <laughs> soderbergh knows what he's doing uh <laughs> but i don't think Every performance is incredible. I, I think it's it's a little bit of a mixed bag performance wise, sure, but sure, it sure. is fun and and you know it's Soderbergh. I think there's people there's going to be a lot of fans and but I, I I usually I'm I'm all in on on Soderbergh. I would say so. I was a little let down. I heard good things about this movie Thelma, the June Squibb, <laughs> Fred uh, Heshinger. Uh, I can't believe Thelma. it hasn't sold yet. I know what the hell. It kind it, of looks like crap, but this movie is going to make I mean, unless it goes to Netflix or something and you could see it doing well on Netflix, but like this it was maybe the one movie that I saw that I was like, "Oh, this could make money." Like Did you like money. it or did you not like it? Uh, I liked I liked it. I just How was it, how was how was my friend Fred? Uh, Fred is lovely. <laughs> I mean, listen. We're going to be a doing su- a Fred movie very soon, Chris. Oh, we will. We will yeah. we'll be recording it this weekend. Um, yes. Listen, I am a sucker for a movie that ultimately is about the love between a grandmother and a grandson. So it's like I, you know, the yeah. the I was not going to not like this movie. Yeah. Uh, and Parker Posey is really, really funny. Oh, 
uh, obviously, obviously, June Squibb is wonderful in this role, and it's exciting to see her in a starring role. But I think my major takeaway from the movie is the dearly departed Richard Roundtree, who is so wonderful as like Thelma's friends, maybe kind of ish love interest. It's Richard Roundtree was the best thing about the movie. I mean, I think, uh, obviously, just the plot synopsis alone, June Squibb is a senior citizen who gets scammed uh, through, basically, a phone scam pretending to be her grandson in peril, Mm. and she gives them thousands of thousands of dollars. And then she goes vigilante mode on a motorized scooter uh, to get her money back. I mean... You know, it's when you hear that plot line, it is very much that movie. It's very, it's very silly. It's very touching. Uh, It's where else have we seen Richard Roundtree in love interest mode recently, Chris? I swear to God. Well, he passed away last year. Yeah, but it was like within the last, hold on. Moving on. Did you see Moving On, Chris? Oh, right, Moving uh, On. We saw that at TIFF together. The Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. He's um, Jane Fonda's love interest in that. I forgot. I saw that as well. He's good in that, too. Or he was, yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, I I think it's funny to point out that early on in Thelma, uh, June Squibb and and Fred, grandmother and grandson, are watching Mission Impossible together, and that sort of becomes this (laughs) through line in terms of just the action. And you know, I think there's an element of of a lot of the humor where it's like this basically could you could see this being in like an SNL sketch, but right. she, where where she's on the phone and like trying to figure out how to get something done, and the, the score is pounding, but she's just trying to like X out of a pop up ad and can't find the X. <laughs> like that is the humor, and I think it works really well. I mean, I think credit to her. Um, That's nice. It's it's lovely, and you're right, Chris. It's like this should be selling, and this should be somewhere because people are going to get it up. Yeah. Another one I saw a lot of coverage on was Will and Harper, the uh, Will Ferrell documentary. Did you get a chance to see that one? I did. That was my my last night I was there. I was at the premiere for, and Will was on my flight the next morning, which was very special. Oh, that's fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, but more importantly, this film, uh, Will and Harper, it is about Will Ferrell and, and his longtime friend, Harper Steele, who for years was a writer on snl that's when they first met they started there around the same time and she uh i i i I think she's like early 60s now and so came out as trans in during the pandemic and Mm -hmm. we're, we're set up at the beginning that she loves road trips and she loves small town america and she loves just being on her own on the open road and stopping by the diviest of dive bars and and now all of this feels uncomfortable to her so she and Will have this idea to to do this road trip together. Yeah. And it's, you know, on one end, there's just like, of course, like you get these two really, really funny people and it's going to be a blast watching them just talk about any old thing along the road. But mm-hmm. it is really, really lovely to, um, I think, you know, as, as the reception out of the festival maybe pointed to, it's just it's like, it's it's cool that Will Ferrell wanted to do this for her and and she sort of is was very open in talking about her privilege and having this this very very popular famous friend who can sort of guide sort of guide her along this trip Mm -hmm. um but it feels 
hate to say it, you know, cliched, but it feels important and it feels like this could be a, a helpful thing to have out in the world. I mean, that's great. I think as of you know, recording, like, there's still a bidding war going on around it. Is there? Yes, that's good there is. So, like, someone is going to get this movie and for a pretty penny. Yeah. And I, hopefully take I, care I, of it. Yeah. I was going to say, I want it to be taken care of, but I could see it, you know, and, and this isn't a bad thing either, but I could see it. And popping up on Hulu one day and and doing well on there or something like that. You know, it's just obviously with the star power. There's a lot of fun little SNL cameos, too. Mm-hmm. I won't say too much more, but uh, <laughs> if this gets the release it deserves, we could have a, a Kristen Wiig um, Best Original Song nominee. In oh, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Uh, but it's, that's it's great. so, so lovely. It's, it's, it's definitely the crowd pleaser of the festival i um yeah <laughs> by the way important to note directed by josh greenbaum who did barb and star go to vista Del <laughs> okay <laughs> let's get w- some good success for josh so that we can uh get a sequel in yeah. the works yeah. yeah i'll say at the q a afterwards he's talking about like how he met will and he's like so I first met him through Barb and Sar and round of applause. People are still on their feet anyway. And then, like, <laughs> and, then <laughs> and then we did this uh, silly movie this last year called Strays Chirps, like no one, no one gave a shit. Sorry, Josh. But yeah, we obviously there's love for Barb and Sar. So I think that that was probably heard, but it's, it's cool. It's a great collaboration between the three. Yeah. So. Did you see the Sir Ronan starring film The Outrun? People did not seem to like the movie, but there were, to me, wild raves for her performance. People, I saw someone comparing it to Jenna Rollins in Woman Under the oh, Influence. Wow. wow. That's, that's very high praise. I didn't see this one. Okay. And, you know, of course, like going into the festival, it's like, Sersha, Sersha, I've got to see the Sersha. Why, why wouldn't I want to? But Again, just trying to prioritize the more like hitting you in the face with this is a queer story. Uh, uh-huh. I was like, we'll wait and see. And I think I saw enough good things. I was convinced that I needed to see it while I was there, but it just timing didn't work out for me, sadly. But uh, yeah, that was an interesting response for sure. The other one that I had heard good things about that um, I will remember because it does have a distinctive title is My Old Ass. So um, Big Sale sold to Amazon. Oh, poor, poor film. Amazon still doesn't know how to do anything. Um, although it's Amazon MGM, so at least there's, you know, the that I feel like the 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 good ones sort of tend to. Yeah, I go seem to, to agree that American Fiction was doing well, and it's like re- sort of release schedule that they had. I think they're but. planning on they were planning on sort of pivoting off of the Oscar nomination. So mm-hmm. hopefully, yeah, they're it's still expanding. Um. But um, again, not sure what my old ass refers to, but like I will remember it, and I will absolutely see uh, it. I forget who the young performer is, but uh, it's Aubrey Plaza as the older version of that character coming to, uh, if I remember the plot line uh, correctly, coming to v- visit her younger self to tell her not to date a boy uh, okay. of some kind. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, this is, uh, I should have seen this one. I think that the younger character uh, played by, I, I looked up Maisie Stella. Her big credit seems to be Nashville. I think she was one of Connie Britton's daughters. On that oh, okay. All right. Um, oh, and but, Maddie Ziegler's yeah. in it. I was waiting in line for, yeah, that's right. And Maria Ditzia. Yeah. Oh, I love Maria yes. Ditzia. Oh, my God. Yes. 
I was waiting in line to see Love Lies Bleeding at the Eccles when everyone was getting out of this. And so I was like seeing people leave and I was like, what'd you think? What'd you think? And I just remember saying, it's going to sell for millions. It's incredible. And so people were very effusive immediately leaving it. I, okay. I, I regret missing this one too, but um, yeah, I didn't see the fallout from, from this director, the, the Jenna Ortega, Maddie Ziegler, like, Oh, uh, right away. Put, I mean, it's a, it was like the that was a South by movie. Oh, right. Okay, but this sounds very, very different. Um, yeah, of course. This this is more of a sweet comedy. Now, as somebody representing queer media, Cam, were you <laughs> required to see the Pedro Pascal movie Freaky Tales, or was that uh, was that more of an optional for you? It was definitely something that I was like, I should prioritize this. And I had this funny moment, not to throw anyone under the bus, but like prior to the festival was talking to a Sundance programmer. And I was like, is there anything I should see that I like maybe wouldn't be aware? And they told me that there's, I feel bad. They told me there's a queer storyline in Freaky Tales. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. I'll, I'll check it out. That's great. I included it in our like festival preview and then somebody with the film wrote to me and said, there's not, sorry. Like, thank you for the report, but we don't want to sell it incorrectly. Oh, wow. So I'm extremely confused. And they should have at least been like Normani's in this movie. Tell the people that Normani's in this movie. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And trust me, like in my little capsule write up for the preview, I was like, Pedro Pascal and Normani, like what else do you want? <laughs> and Jay Ellis, who is also just a beautiful, beautiful person. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it though. I was told... <laughs> I saw some pretty mixed to negative reactions. That's on that. mostly what I saw um, as well. Yeah, 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 and it hasn't yeah. sold yet. I mean, not a lot has sold yet, unfortunately. Of the, uh, it of is a wild cast, though. Can I just I... say, sorry before you move on, Chris? No, go ahead. I'm looking at this cast: uh, Pedro Pascal, J. Alice Normani, but like Ben Mendelsohn. It's basically Fleck and which... Bowden doing their yeah. Sin City. Yeah. It sounds like. Angus Cloud made this one um, uh, before uh, he passed. Jack, Jack Champion, who is the weird little beast twink from Avatar 2. Uh, Keir Gilchrist, uh, right in Scream. Keir Gilchrist, my beloved United States of Terra star, Keir, Keir Gilchrist. Um, and I see just Tom Hanks as video store employee. So, like, I'm going to want to check it out for that. I'm sorry. I'm just am. <laughs> All right. Anyway, Chris, I interrupted you. Continue. Uh, uh, one that I kind of expect to still sell at some point, And one of the last things that was among my tops that we haven't discussed um, is this documentary called Daughters. It was in the U.S. documentary mm-hmm. competition. Not only it won, won that, right? the yeah. audience award for U.S. documentary, but it won this I guess fake, not fake prize, but Sundance as of last year added a festival favorite prize, which to me sounded like a way to get the movies that are just premiere distinction that are not in any competition, uh, you know, a chance at winning an award. And it won that as well. So this was like the highest audience response of a movie at the whole festival, basically. And you can see why, because this is just like, I mean, like, I'm on the verge of tears watching the entire, through the entirety of this movie. It's basically follows a prison program that allows uh, inmates visits with, essentially with their children. But this follows a, uh, a program where it's basically dads to daughters and they do like a father daughter dance and you follow these families stories. And you see a lot of the systemic prison issues in various prisons throughout the country that, you know, 
don't allow any type of visitation and whatever the, you know, the success rate um, is incredibly high for inmates within these programs of never returning to the prison system. And it's an incredibly emotional movie. I imagine if it sells to the right person, I or not person, but to the right distributor, this is a movie we could be talking about all year long. Nice. That's great. Um, um Cam, anything else you want to shout out? I, I was gonna say just another documentary I saw, and this was in the the, the next program was um Seeking Mavis Beacon, and I thought this was really, really fascinating, and I, I was really taken with it. This is, um, if you're familiar with uh, Mavis Beacon features typing software, did did you did either of you grow up using that? No, actually, but it I sounds it. familiar. It. The the, yeah. the the name sounds familiar. Yeah. Well, you know it, and it's funny because like the the uh, the original. Well, so Mavis Beacon at the center of it is this this figure that teaches you typing and her face is beaming on the like software box but you know there's a little bit of a, a thing where everyone maybe assumed she was real but she wasn't and and it's funny because um this software has like taken on is adopted different folks in more recent years uh different faces and i i've seen some of these faces come up in memes which is is besides the point anyway the the, the filmmaker jazz jennings is is like someone that grew up with this program and was like okay, uh, Mavis Beacon wasn't real, but like, who is this woman? Why don't we know who this woman was, this model that was used in the photograph and goes on this, this search in a very, um, in a very modern, queer, extremely online, goes about it in a very extremely online way, <laughs> uh, where is, is, I thought was really, really lovely because it's like, you know, it's investigative, it's an investigative documentary, but it, it's really like picking at itself and what it means to be an investigative documentary the whole time. It's like, I mean, do we have the right to tell this story? Like, was, I mean, you know, did they have the right to to use her image in the way they did in the first place, the software company? Where did she go? Did she want to disappear? Should we be able to have the right to disappear online? Like, it just brings up all these questions that I was really... I've just never seen any movie do that. And I just thought it was cool, you know, in this era of, of, of continued true crime obsession to sort of, even though there's not a crime here, just have this documentary that's just interrogating the whole, the whole ecosystem of that, really. Uh, it, it, was, it was really cool. I'm really excited. I mean, Jazz Jennings, the filmmaker, I, I don't, this was like their first, they're pretty young. This was like their first thing. I would love to see them do this type of investigation um you know in whatever form moving forward i thought it was it was really fun and neon nice. has this too so it'll be that's true yeah this year. you've sold me on this because i wasn't quite sure whether i was uh, interested in seeing this so now you've sold me on it so good job yeah it's interesting also the pandemic comes into into play in this in a way that i didn't like hate uh it, it also does a great job of showing us like uh, there's a word for it, right? Where you're, you're, the screen is the desktop and, and we have something going on in one window and there's a chat here. Yeah, yeah It yeah. does that really, really well. Nice. Um, so I really appreciated that, yeah. That's Just awesome. Make sure I mention that. As, as sort of tends to be my feeling with Sundance every year is even when there's nothing that sounds like... I'm almost more interested in the movies that don't sound like they're these like slam dunk hits on the level of like a past lives or something like that, where it's 
you know, movies that feel like they're throwbacks to something else or movies that are going for something a little more odd. It's that sort of like, it's either side of the spectrum, right? It's either the Mm -hmm. ones that feel a little dated and I tend to feel like drawn to that kind of datedness. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything you want to, you want to bring up before that we that we maybe haven't asked you about Cameron? I definitely feel like we touched on my favorites. I, I also just was thinking documentary wise, I saw the, the Luther never too much documentary, which is like, you know, just great to have like a renewed appreciation and Batman's talent. And in, in, God, I mean, that voice is insane. Oh, Luther um, Vandross, you, you, know, you can't beat it, yeah. Yeah, beyond renewed appreciation beyond just being obsessed with Never Too Much Again and having that show up in my Spotify nice. list because <laughs> of Drag Race. But uh, it is interesting in what the movie does and doesn't say about his sexuality. Like, I, it really hammers home this point that he was, like, super private in that regard. But <laughs> it really kind of throws Patty LaBelle under the bus. And I think people oh. are mad at her for basically outing him when she did. But it's it just seems kind of strange. It was an odd take, I thought. <laughs> I was curious. I, again, ran out of time. And I didn't really see any reactions to that movie, too. So I didn't know how to prioritize it or not. Or, you know, it also just seems like the type of thing that w- would get bought. So I'd have the opportunity to see it again. but. Uh, especially after the Little Richard uh, doc last year, which also had a complicated relationship yeah. with that, uh, with presenting that and telling that part of the, you know. Well, and how many Whitney Houston documentaries story. did it take before they finally addressed Whitney Houston sexuality? Like, this does seem to be a trend with, you know, these posthumous documentaries. So. Mm-hmm. That are sort of treating this idea of like, well, they decided to take it to the grave, so now we must all decide to never talk about it. And it's like, at some point, y'all, like, And then you have the Rock Hudson documentary, which Which is so good, which is so good. (laughs) I'm saying, see, that's, that's what I want. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, Chris, anything else do you wanted to mention about this? Um, uh, I was, I mean, I definitely saw more documentaries again. I was kind of disappointed on the doc side this year. Um, I would also say one that listeners might be interested in. I saw exhibiting forgiveness, which has a great performance from Andre Holland. Um, entrepreneur Ellis Taylor is also in it. Andrew Day is in it. Uh, as Andre Holland's father, John Earl Jekes is Jelks is really good. It that is a movie that I thought that the screenplay was fairly heavy-handed and uh, kind of a blunt instrument, even if the themes of the movie were a lot more complex than the dialogue was. So I can see why people are having a really mixed reaction to mm-hmm. it, but I think thematically it really resonated with me. I'll be interested to see what happens with that movie because uh, Andre Holland is really great in it. Um, Nice. Yeah, I think that's it for me. Cool. Uh, Cameron, we cannot thank you enough for joining us for our special dispatch from Sundance. Um, we did. And we got to get you back on a real episode soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get back to us with um, you. You suggested something recently, and yeah. Um, yeah. get back to us again about that because we definitely yeah, will talk about we'll that. talk. Okay, great, great. <laughs> awesome. I'm eager to revisit for reasons. <laughs> uh, where can people find you uh, on Queerty, on social media, all that sort of stuff? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I'm still kicking around on X. Uh, <laughs> we're all kicking around on X, man. Yeah, we're we just are. we're we're wandering the streets. Yeah, yeah. I'm on Cameron Cheats on there. I'm on Instagram, which, as I've already alluded to, I'm I'm not normally posting as much to my stories as I do when I'm at Sundance. But you know, I don't think people need videos of me walking around my apartment every day. <laughs> <laughs> you say <laughs> that now, you would have fans. <laughs> you would have walk around fans. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, go read Cameron on Queer Tea and go uh, uh, bother him on Instagram about not posting more walking around his apartment. <laughs> um, I can you can find our oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do this without an outline, Chris. Okay, um, if you want more of this had Oscar Buzz, you can check out our podcast at had underscore Oscar underscore Buzz on Twitter, this had Oscar Buzz on Instagram. And uh, if you want to join our Patreon, you, that is patreon.com slash this had Oscar buzz. Christopher. Hi. What's your socials? Uh, Chris V file. That's F E I L. And I am Joe Reed. Reed spelled R E I D. Thank you to Taylor Cole for our theme song, Gavin Mevius and Dave Gonzalez for our, uh, technical advice and, uh, God, it's so weird doing this without Being a polite to our emails like, this happened, what do we do? <laughs> oh my God, Basically. seriously, Dave, something went wrong, help. Um, <laughs> Kyle Cummings for our uh, artwork, of course, uh, all you wonderful listeners. And we will be back with a brand new main feed episode on Monday. So get ready for that, because that one is a good one, even though it's I can't another remember another two head, and a half hours to three hour episode. Girl, we have just been with the, these vulture updates really do like push us past the point of, <laughs> of um, that update. That update will be brief. It'll be brief. It'll be good. Um, all right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And until uh, next year, may Sundance remain nice winter and not brutal winter. <laughs> all right. Bye. Never too much, never too much, never too much